All right, welcome to Plato's Gravity. This is Aaron. And I think it is time for another episode. It is. It is long past time. It is long past time. Yeah. So interestingly enough, I know I've made the joke before a lot, Aaron, that you don't wear pants on the show. Mm. Um, yeah, we're actually in, recording in our home studios on account of the quarantine. So I'm, I, I'm wearing uh, pajama pants, which is not a normal attire for me on a podcast. That's what I was going to say was when we started this, uh, when we started talking before the show, I was wearing pajama pants and I uh, walked out to go make a drink. And as I was coming back, I remembered, oh, my God, I'm 33 years old. I have to put pants on. I'm talking with human beings. Apparently, that requirement uh, expires at 38. Uh, that's <laughs> I can't that, that's wait. apparently a thing. You still haven't said your name, though. Let's do that. Oh, uh, it is Jason. Fantastic. So, uh, Jason, what do we do? What do we do to start this show? Uh, we 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 have a we have a beverage. Yeah, but uh, what kind of beverage? Uh, under normal circumstances, Aaron, it is. Uh, a usually a malt-based fermented beverage. It is, but we are doing a new thing. We're we're, we're doing a new thing. We are branching out. Uh, one because I was getting too fat by drinking all the beer recording at <laughs> breweries, uh, and two because I feel like I I want to just highlight other people who make amazing things that I enjoy. Uh, so we are gonna do. Um, we're gonna take a, a big wide uh, uh, definition of what craft is, and we're gonna talk to people who make amazing things. So uh, today we're incredibly happy to have Adam from Circadian Coffee uh, here in Indianapolis on the show. Uh, he's at the Roastery. We are in our respective homes. Uh, Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so Adam, can you talk about um, your kind of history and background in coffee? Like, well, I know that Circadian's been around since 2016. Have you been there with them since the beginning? Yeah, so uh, we Circadian started with me and my business partner uh, in 2016. We, uh, me and my business partner, actually met working for a coffee shop in Boston. Okay. Um, so I, I had worked in coffee shops. I mean, since high school. Uh, no, nothing. I mean, I'm, I'm from Indiana originally, from Fort Wayne, but and and so like there were there wasn't really where I was at least. There wasn't really any specialty coffee kind of things. Like people made good coffee, but it wasn't right. like you know this third wave that we're kind of in right now. So I had worked in coffee shops. My dad um, taught me how to do a pour over when I was like 12. Oh, um, nice. Just as a kid. He had, he had like, so Melita used to make these like giant uh, insulated pour over things. It was black, cylindrical. It's the coolest thing ever. And they stopped making them because they don't fit into like uh, cupboards because they're too tall. Oh, right. Which is unfortunate because they're amazing. But, you know, so he still, he still has that actually and uses it when everyone comes home. Uh, but yeah, so I went to college, worked in a couple coffee shops. I, I always loved coffee and made it myself and then uh, graduated, didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then I was like, you know, like there's this whole other side of the industry, the roasting side that I'd love to be a part of. And uh, found this coffee shop in Boston. They, uh, they hired me as a barista. About a month later, they moved me into roasting because they knew I wanted to do that. Right. Uh, probably about a month after that, I was there like, they, they had a roast master who was like one of the owners of the company, but he didn't do any roasting. I did all of the roasting. So it, I, you know, it was like two months at this place and like, I'm basically running a roasting program, having almost no experience doing right. it. 
but uh, so how was the so how many how many cups of bad coffee did you did you make for yourself? That's not a very nice uh, question. A decent amount. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, so one of the owners was actually a Q grader. Um, okay, so, so we which uh, I guess for people who don't know, it's sort of like being uh, a sommelier for wine. Mm-hmm. Um, you're basically approved to say like you know what you're talking about when it comes to coffee. Your palate is uh, lined up with all of these other people, so there's some consistency that sort of thing. So there's this Q grader who is one of the other owners and I'm roasting coffee and she's in there like every day and we're doing, we're, we're cupping coffee. We're uh, like talking about coffee and like the espresso training I had was unlike anything I've ever seen before. It, it was, I mean, it was like trial by fire, but also like I, I learned so much from this coffee shop. Uh, and about a month after I got there, um, my business partner, Kelsey was hired. Okay. Um, and she was managing two of the cafes. She was kind of hired to be a roaster, but they weren't really letting her be the roaster because um, I was roasting. I don't know. It was weird. But so we... we now she owns the place, so it's fine. She can do what she right. wants. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so we were uh, we got to talking and we realized that we had really similar philosophies about coffee. And we were kind of... We, we, there were some things about this place that kind of annoyed us, but I mean, it was, you know, it was just whatever. You, you know, there, there's this like romanticism of working for yourself where you're like, yeah, like I can make all the calls and I can do this and I can set my own hours and all this and all of that's a lie. But, uh, we, cause I want my coffee at six thirty, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but my business partner, Kelsey, she, uh, she works for a roaster out in, uh, DC. She's from Maryland originally. And, uh, she worked for them, helped build up all their espresso program, basically helped them start a bunch of other cafes. She has a degree in entrepreneurship and she was just kind of like, you know, I'm not really learning what I wanted to learn at this coffee shop in Boston. I think it's just time that like, I need to start my own thing. And, and I was kind of like, you know, I'm just not really sure I want to keep working at this place anymore. Right. And then Kelsey was like, we can do this. Like you and I, like, she was like, you can roast, I can roast. I know the business side of things. Like you're you know, you, you're good at talking to people. <laughs> and so we were like, yeah, let, let's do it. And so we like mapped out a couple cities that we wanted to try and do this in. Um, I, I think our number one choice at the time was actually Detroit. Okay. Which uh, mm-hmm. didn't work out. Um, Detroit's a really cool town. It's growing. It's changing a lot. But uh, if you're not from there and don't have a lot of money, it's really hard to start things there. Sure. Like they, Detroit wants to rebuild themselves on their terms. Um, so unless you can buy your way into it, it's really hard to do that. Uh, we don't, yeah. In Indianapolis, we, we like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like we, so we, I mean, we spent like six months banging our heads against the wall in Detroit. Like, like we would talk to realtors about like finding a location and then they'd like, we, we'd set up a meeting and we'd get there and then we'd find, they would find out that we're not like from Detroit and they would just like blow off our meeting. Like wouldn't even tell us that like wow. they're not showing up. And so like, it was just, it was, it was unfortunate. Uh, it's a great city. I love Detroit, but yeah. I, I, I harbor no ill will to them, but yeah. um, it was hard. And uh, we were kind of at a point where I was, I was like, is this even going to happen? I don't, I'm, I'm just not seeing it forward. And Kelsey was like, let's change cities. Let's, you know, uh, Indianapolis was, I think it was number two or three. And I was like, yeah, all right, let's, let's work it out. I was living in Fort Wayne with my parents at the time. There was like one week Kelsey came to Indianapolis and we were just going to spend a week just like trying to find places. And uh, we, we looked at a few different places, but this was actually the first place that we looked. Nice. Um, and it's, it, the, our building is owned by a construction company. And so they were like, 
they brought us in and it looks completely different. It's completely configured differently. And they were like, we can move walls. We can do whatever. Like, just tell us what you need. We'll build it for you. And we'll, you know, right. go from there. And so it was like within probably two weeks of switching to Indianapolis, we were like, we, we had a building, we were incorporated, we were on our way to buying a roaster. And it just like, everything just moved so quickly after like six months of beating our heads against the wall. So it was, it was cool. <laughs> we happen to be known in Indianapolis for uh, the uh, rotundness of of our interstate. Did that factor into the name of Circadian? Is is it because we chose Indianapolis? <laughs> I don't, Aaron. I don't think rotundness is the correct. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Four sixty five, real fat. I, it is a. It, it's 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 a fat interstate. It's a fat fat interstate. It's not. It's not. It's not not accurate. Yeah, I mean, at places eight lanes wide. Damn it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um so i honestly wish i had a better story for our name um we uh <laughs> when we were when we were looking at detroit we had we were originally going to call ourselves dropship coffee um, okay. which we thought just sounded cool we had uh an artist that we knew who made like the coolest logo i've ever seen in my life and i was like yes like this is our name this is what we're going to do and then we moved out to detroit kelsey and i were both like you know like we can't we need to like completely remove ourselves from what just happened. And like, we just need to start over and pretend like none of this happened. We're doing something else. Um, and so we were trying to come up with a name. I, I really like alliteration. And so I was trying to think of like C oh, words, nice. you know, it could be like CC. Uh, and I, I have a psych degree. And so I was like, well, oh. circadian coffee isn't really alliteration because it's a s sound instead of a cuss sound. <laughs> um, but I was, and I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, like, the, the idea of like circadian rhythms, it's it you know like the natural cycle that you kind of live your life, you you know the waking and sleeping cycle, but then even like the nature cycle of we we, we grow food and then we you know enter winter and like the, the rejuvenation of life and all these things. And coffee, in particular, is such a crop. And and I I think we we sometimes on the consumer end of things, I think we tend to forget that. That I mean especially now we'll get a coffee that people love and they're like, you're going to have it all the time. Right. And I'm like, there's only 300 bags of this. Like I right. can't have it all the time. It's not how it works. And next year that coffee won't taste the same because it's, it's a new crop of coffee. So, so we were, we were thinking about in that way, like coffee has this really interesting cycle that it goes through. And then even within our lives, it's, you know, it's used to wake you up and it's, it's yeah. an integral part of our personal circadian cycles. But, you know, so we were just like, yeah, circadian coffee. Like it, and it was like, at the time, I think we were kind of like, it sounds good. And then it was like, we kind of applied meaning to it later. And I'll admit that. that like it was. I know, mean, I, the first time I read it, I thought it was brilliant because I was like, coffee owns my circadian rhythms. Yeah. <laughs> I know that I was just kind of fooled by my own love for my own local interstate. But, but I think circadian is, uh, whether intended or not, is a brilliant name for a coffee company. Thank you. So you guys, you guys started up in Indianapolis. Like you talked about, like getting a roaster, and you have some experience roasting coffee. Uh, do you guys are you guys like we're gonna go kind of big, or are, are you gonna now roast on something smaller? And kind of how did you guys go about like just determining what the market size was gonna be? So I, I learned how to roast on a Diedrich. I think it was an IR twelve, which is a I think it's a seven kilogram roaster, something like that. Um, I, I don't understand the naming things for Diedrich uh, or most coffee things in the world but uh anyway so I, it was a big roaster is what it was and i mean uh we were talking and we were like you know we we need to find something we we decided we wanted to buy new because okay. we didn't want to buy something used 
have something break and just kind of be like, you know, SOL, try and figure out how do we fix this or whatever. So I wanted, we wanted something new that we could like call someone and be like, this doesn't work and it's been a year. Like, I need right. you to fix this. And we found Mill City Roasters is uh, what our roaster is. It's a, it's a six kilogram Mill City Roaster. We originally were going to buy, I think, a 10 kilogram. Okay. Uh, we, we had gotten like funding from someone for up to like the 10 kilogram price. And we're like, you know what? Like we're a wholesale company. The, the, the further away that we can go without having to upgrade that thing, the cheaper this will be in the long run. Right. So we're, we're just going to go big. Uh, and so we call them. We're like, hey, we want to get a 10 kilogram roaster. Like what you got? And they're like, we don't have any here right now. The next batch is coming in in like three months. And we're like, well, that's not going to work. And right. we're like, we have a six kilogram roaster. Or like we'll take that. Like that was the next size down, which is good because a ten kilogram roaster wouldn't have fit in our space. It's a happy accident. Yeah, so that would have been unfortunate. Um, <laughs> the construction company might have helped. I don't know. Yeah, they they could have figured out something. I'm sure. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we we got it in there, and Kelsey and I were both like, "This is like we couldn't have fit a ten, a 10 kilogram roaster in here." Um, it also means uh, so. We went with Mill City because uh, for a couple of reasons, airflow like through the chamber is really important in coffee roasting um, because essentially what roasting is, is this extended drying period, which means that you're removing moisture from the beans. And so the uh, ability to control airflow helps you control how quickly that happens. Right. Um, and in the same way that like when, when it's really windy and you're sweating, like it cools you off really efficiently. When it's not windy and you're sweating, it doesn't cool you off as efficiently. Right. So it, it's, a, it's that same concept. Uh, so I wanted something that had two fans on it, which means I, I have one fan for my actual roasting chamber and then another fan for my cooling bin. Okay. Uh, because on, on the Diedrich that I had roasted on, uh, the fan, there was one fan, uh, it ran through the chamber and the cooling bin, and you could set it at full uh, chamber, full cooling, cooling bin, or half. And that was it. Those were your three options. Right. Uh, and you can produce really great coffee with that. Like it's you know, to, to pretend that like I need the precision that this machine gives me is overestimating my ability as a roaster. But um, the problem with it is when you drop coffee and something is cooling in your cooling bin, I can't adjust my airflow in the chamber without slowing down the cooling of the coffee in the cooling right. bin, which I need to do at a pretty constant rate. So I was like, it doesn't make any sense to me to have just one fan. So I was like, Bare minimum, I need something that has two fans. Mill City had that. They also have the ability to adjust your drum speed. So most roasters, the drum just rotates at a pretty constant speed, right. which works pretty well, generally speaking. The problem is if you go way below the uh, the, the weight that is recommended for you. Um, so like if you're if, if we have a six kilogram roaster, if we only do one kilogram of coffee, that drum speed isn't tuned to doing one kilogram of coffee. It's going to be rotating too fast for it. Right. Uh, so the ability to control the drum speed helps me do a lot less coffee, which since we're just starting out, I'm not going to be doing six kilogram batches. Right. Yeah. Well, and you guys roast to order too. So I imagine like, so uh, I kind of have like a, a, a kind of a, a fan drinker question uh, from uh, from myself, which is, you know, I like to, especially when I'm first trying a place, I like to try all their stuff out. And you guys offer the the, the five gram packs as well as the, the 12 gram packs. So when you get one person that orders like six different coffees and five gram packs and you're roasting to order, are you like, damn it to hell? Or, 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 or do you guys have enough volume in each of the different styles that that's not an issue? 
early on, I think it was an issue. I, I think that's also partially why we didn't push retail quite as heavily early right. on. Um, just because, I mean, yeah, like that's a huge problem. If you're, I mean, if, if you only need five grams, you know, whatever it is, like two ounces right. of coffee, I can't, I can't roast just two ounces of coffee. So we, we need to have more. And even like early on. Oh, five on, ounces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Er, early on, we probably were selling coffees that were like, you know, two or three days off roast, which is fine. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But now we're at a point where, I mean, I'm roasting five days a week and, you know, so there's, it, it's, it's not an issue anymore, basically. Right. Um, mostly how that affects us is like our efficiency and the, the actual labor costs of like, you know, bagging all of these small bags of coffee and things like that, which, right. you know, you sell enough of them, it's all right. <laughs> so on a given day, how many times are, how many different coffees are you running through the roaster? Uh, nine. Nine, Give or take. It d- depends on how many coffees we have available online um, and how many coffees we have available wholesale. Uh, but I, it's usually like a minimum of six different coffees are running through the roaster. Um, we usually don't have much more than nine. We, we say that our, our roaster does about three and a half batches an hour. Okay. Uh, we It's a six kilogram roaster, which translates to about 10 pounds of coffee out because um, you, you lose water weight. Right, the sure. weight less coming out. So we, uh, there, there are a couple of them that I'm going to have to do like multiple batches of Meridian and cold brew. Like I do multiple batches of those right. just about every day of the week. It's just like, it's a constant turnaround. The Papua New Guinea, it's going to be like, I'm usually doing like three quarters of the batch at a time. Uh, like, you know, three quarters of six kilograms and, you know, so like the single origins wind up being a lot less, the blends wind up being a lot more. But, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, I think that's, that's interesting. Can you talk like, um, like how does a, like we, we've interviewed a lot of, of brewers and one of the, the big challenges for small brewers is sourcing, uh, sourcing like grains and hops and things like that. Cause they don't have enough market pool to get the good stuff. Can you talk about like the challenge of, of getting good quality green beans? Yeah. So I don't think that, um, I don't think that the green, that the coffee, that getting green coffee is quite as competitive as getting hops in the beer world. I know a little bit about beer. Um, I'm, my, I, I have a friend who is like, he's a national beer judge and oh nice, that sort of stuff. And so I, I know a little bit about it. And I know that um, in, in the hops world, there's a lot of hops that basically are, it, it's contracted. So it's like, this is how much we're buying or we're going to buy, you know, and, and no matter what you produce, I need to get this much, you know, whatever. And there is some of that in the coffee world, but there is so much coffee being produced and a lot of, so much specialty coffee even that... There are, I mean, I, we probably run through two or three different importers that we use okay. and it's mostly a, uh, it, it, it's mostly just a matter of, do you have something that is going to like, we, we're, we're probably looking for like two different coffees that are like going to be our single origin things. Mm-hmm. And then we make everything else work is basically how we kind of like order stuff. Okay. Um, it's. Coffee has a lot of, it's called bot, so it's just like sitting in a warehouse somewhere. Right. And there's, you know, thousands of pounds of this stuff, and they are just looking to sell it. And there are some coffees, like Ethiopian Neri Chefs are going to be way more expensive, and they're harder to find. Um, delicious. Uh, it's one of my favorite beans. They're delicious, and, and, that's, and that's part of the reason why. Uh, but there's also, within that, um, there are a lot of Neri Chefs that don't quite measure up to what it, you want your right. chef to be and, and so like there's this weird balance of like trying to find that of like do i trust the road the the importers tasting notes that they're giving me 
do I have time to order a sample and roast it and then get that bag still? Like, will it still be there right. uh, when I'm done doing all this process? And, and, and so, like, there, there is some of this challenge. We also, um, the, the coffee that is honestly, honestly, the coffee that's hardest to get right now is the Timor. Okay. Uh, what happened? What happened was Timor had a really low production year in 2019, which happens. You know, it's droughts, hurricanes, whatever, uh, typhoons, um, things happen. And uh, the the Timor in particular, there are massive companies like Starbucks that like we have a Timor all the time. Right. And so when there is a shortage, they're like, we will pay you much more than what you're expecting to get all of your Timor. Right. And so there winds up being this pretty big shortage for everyone else uh, down the chain, which, you know, sucks, but not a lot you can do about it. And even like, I mean, when you're, we're, we're dealing with like giants of the industry where it'd be like in a beer, in the beer world, it would be like you're competing with Budweiser to get the mosaic hops. And like, that's not a thing that like, right. You're, really co- you're just competing with like, you know, uh, the, the bigger craft breweries, which are still small by right. comparison. Right. Right. And so, and, and like, it's, and that's, you know, hard. And there's definitely some like trickiness to that in the coffee world, but there's so much coffee and we really like offering a, a diverse assortment of coffees too. We, we like trying to find coffees that you maybe haven't seen before. Like we, we, we have a coffee coming out that I don't think I've ever had a coffee from the democratic Republic of Congo. Yeah. You mentioned that before the show. It's, it's exciting. Yeah. And we, we have one coming out here in a little bit. And, uh, we last year we had an Indian coffee okay. that was killer. It was so good. It's one of my favorite coffees we've ever done. And I, I had had one Indian coffee before and it was awful. It was a Robusta. So, so there's right. Arabica, which is specialty. And then there's Robusta, which there are specialty versions, but it's really bitter because it has a lot of caffeine in it. So I had had an Indian Robusta and it's, it was awful because it was just, it was so bitter. And it was so it was just, it, there wasn't a lot going on with it at the end of the day. So we found this Indian coffee. We got a sample of it because it's an Indian coffee. So everyone's like, yeah, I don't know about that. I'm not going to touch it. So you're like, we got time to like sample this, make sure it's good. And it was so good. It had this really like creamy body to it. It had this like orange creamsicle kind of feel going on. Like the acidity was really light and delicate. It was amazing. And no one's really looking for it because everyone's like, well, I want an Ethiopian Euro chef and I want it. Right, you know, right. And, and so, I mean, I think if you're willing to take a chance, like, it's really not that difficult. And there's so many new countries who are like creating a coffee program. Whereas like the hops world, I think we're, you know, no one, there are, there aren't like thousands of new hops being produced every day, like new varietals and this kind of thing. It's, you know, it's, it's pretty streamlined at this point. It's just like, can we produce enough? Right. Well, and you mentioned as you were kind of talking about the way you source coffee, you were talking about kind of how you like to have a coffee for everyone. And I think this is, that's kind of refreshing from my perspective. I'm kind of new into consuming the specialty coffee. And I feel like there's a couple places that were uh, in the specialty coffee world where I could get a medium or a dark roast coffee, which kind of helped me to trans. And now I feel like I, I only really want light roast coffee for the most part. Uh, cause I, I don't, I don't understand how for 35 years I wanted the most bitter, beautiful cup of coffee. And now I, I, I almost can't palate it. Like it, it <laughs> happens so quickly, but how, you know, what kind of drove your decision to kind of keep a wide uh, variety of roast pro- profiles? So Kelsey, Kelsey's coming from Maryland. Um, and then I had, I mean, the bulk of my like roasting and coffee education in Boston, uh, and I, I, I don't I don't know how similar this is to the beer world, but uh, in the coffee world, like 
basically the coast influence everything you're doing. Okay. That's very similar to the beer world. Yeah. West coast IPAs, East coast IPAs, everyone in the middle does. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean like the coasts like start trends and then they kind of perfect these trends. And then at some point they filter to uh, the Midwest. So like an, an example of this is when we got here uh, in 2016, we were talking to people and they were like, Oh, have you heard of nitro cold brew? Like, have you tried nitro? Like, what can you do with nitro? And like Kelsey and I both were like, yeah, we're kind of over nitro cold brew. <laughs> and, and, and the thing that like, there's, there's a benefit to being late uh, to things like that, where when, when Kelsey first started in nitro cold brew in DC, the, there, there wasn't any like system in place for it. She like, they they literally went to beer breweries and was like, how do you do nitro? Right. Like, how do you do this? How do you do that? How do you, you know? And, and then they learned that like, oh, well, you got to dial in the nitro and you got to do this and you got to do that. And there weren't, uh, at the time, there weren't like stones that you could put into coffee. It was, you know, you actually had to, you had to charge the, right. the keg and then, you know, and do all that shaking and stuff. And you now- over, You like, over nitro it, you can't get it back easy. It's tough. Yeah. So, and now it's like, if you want to do nitro, like there, there are literally machines, like countertop machines you can buy that like pull nitrogen from the air and just infuse it in the wine. Oh, what? And, and you're good to go. Like, and that's all there is to it. So it's like, there's, there, so, so when, when Kelsey There's started, no way Aaron doesn't immediately buy that. <laughs> <laughs> you can no, do it, Aaron. Yes. I'll, I'll send you the link. They actually, they, uh, they, they work with our, our uh, cold brew bags. You can just buy cold brew from me and you know, plug it into our machine. That machine. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, but they, they, so when, when Kelsey started, it was like, we know nothing about this thing. And then when it makes its way to the Midwest, it's like, there's an entire infrastructure in place right. to actually do this, which is cool because it means that when you start offering nitro cold brew, you're not offering a bad product. Right. Because you know, that was the thing on the coast. That was part of the reason why it died so quickly on the coast is because at first it was awful. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't good because no one really knew how to do it. Everyone was just kind of like, yeah, just plug the nitrogen in and it's good to go. So um, back to what I was saying. <laughs> I forgot the question for a minute there. The nitro cold brew tangent was well worth it. Seriously. <laughs> So, uh, so, so I'm from the Midwest originally, and I, I mean, I have seen specialty coffee shops. I went to IU Bloomington. Hopscotch started while I was there, right? And a great coffee shop doing amazing things. And what I realized in that moment, especially going to Boston, was on the coast there was this overlap where, uh, that so so coffee we we say it's divided into waves. There's first, second, and now we're kind of at the tail end of our third wave, probably. We don't really know what the fourth wave is, but we, we feel like we're nearing the end of the third wave, basically. Uh, and first wave was basically like Maxwell House Folgers. It's coffee's being mass produced. Everyone has it. It's cheap. It's the like, I'm, I'm poor. I can't afford breakfast. I'm drinking coffee instead. Mm -hmm. Drink. Second wave is around the time that, I mean, like companies like Starbucks really come into play right. where they're like, it's, it's, it's elevating it, but it's still really focused on those like dark, Roasted coffees, medium roasted coffees, light roasted coffees. Which, you know, like, <laughs> it's not. It's air quotes um, for the folks who are listening. Air quotes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, they and, and you know and they come in and they kind of do these things and they make these drinks and they and and it's it does this thing of changing coffee into something else from what it was before, where it's like, oh, well, now you can go and hang out in a coffee shop right. and do these things that had kind of fallen away. And then we move into the third wave, which is where we are now, where people are really focus on these really light roasts and these uh, re really fruity and floral and acidic and like these really beautiful coffees that I love. But 
the thing that happened was the people on the coast, they went through the first wave, they saw the second wave, they had an opportunity to buy full pounds of third wave coffee. And then, you know, they slowly basically transitioned into this thing. It was this right. nice, you know, like we did this and we did this, we did this. And in the Midwest, it was like, there was the first wave, there was a second wave. And then it just like abrupt, like all of a sudden everyone that's starting a coffee shop is like we're a third wave coffee shop. You know, now everything's really light. We can't afford to sell it at a full pound. You can't buy coffee at a full pound. It's 12 ounces. Right. That's the industry standard. But that's a totally new coffee, a totally new concept here. Um, and, and I mean, this would have been 10, 15 years ago, something like that. I mean, it's 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 an older thing that just like, boom, popped right. up on the scene. And it's only very recently, I mean, in the last probably eight years or so, that we've seen coffee really explode here. And that's in part because it was such a slow start that people had to, people didn't really have this nice transition to get used to it. And now we're seeing this really big, you know, you know thing. So, uh, so the thing, while we were on the coast, Kelsey and I were talking, um, and we were in Boston. So if you can't, if you don't do a dark roast in Boston, you're like dead in the water. <laughs> just one of the things, cause in, in Seattle, you're competing with Starbucks, like right. regardless of how you feel about Starbucks, like Starbucks is your standard. Cause it's Seattle in Boston. It's Dunkin' Donuts. Cause that's where it started. We, we actually like our roaster was like a few blocks from the first Dunkin'. And so we're, everyone's like, well, it's Dunkin' Donuts. Like that's coffee. And so you have to like, you, you basically have to cater to that audience, but then you also are like, but look at what coffee can be. Right. And so Kelsey and I were talking and we really feel like the third wave movement was pushing in this direction that was trying to take coffee out of the hands of people. They're basically saying like, you can't brew it right. Let us brew it for you. And then we'll give it back to you. Or it was like, you can't, drink coffee like this and really appreciate it unless you have a Hario V60 and you have a, a, a temperature controlled water boiler and like, you, you know, it's 195 degrees. And if you don't have this burr grinder, it's not going to work. And I, I appreciate that. Like if you really want to get like everything out of your coffee, you do need all those steps. Right. But the thing that was lost along the way is coffee is a functional drink and an aesthetic drink. Right. And those two things coincide for some people and then it's one thing one of those things for other people so so there are some people who it's like you know coffee is fuel in the morning it's nothing else i don't need it for anything else it doesn't even need to taste good it just i just need that caffeine hit and i'm done with it and that's a valid way to drink coffee that's fine and then there are other people who it's like i drink one cup of coffee a day it's you know has to be the highest quality and all this whatever and if it's not that then i'm going to go without it and for them, it's aesthetic because they don't need the coffee in the morning. Yeah, I feel like I fall. This is a really – I love that description. I feel like I fall on absolutely both sides of that. Like I want my first cup of coffee in the day to be beautiful and wonderful and like it's how I start and it's how I appreciate the day. And then after that – and I, I actually I switched – I drink decaf in the afternoon because I can't. I can't. Mm -hmm. I, I want to drink coffee all day <laughs> and I can't. I can't just drink from a, from a, a, a home coffee – enthusiast to someone in the business how do you manage your caffeine uh <laughs> i don't like <laughs> <laughs> mother nature probably handles that yeah so so here's what happens is uh i will i will drink coffee all day long i'll just keep drinking it because i mean and, and it ranges from like i need to try all of these coffees to like I need my first cup in the morning. So I'm actually the exact opposite as you. I like, I don't care what my first cup of coffee right. in the morning tastes like. Doesn't matter to me. Like it could be the worst, it could be the worst diner coffee that's been sitting on a burner for an hour. I'll drink it. It's fine. Doesn't matter to me. And then after that, it's I, I become more particular because I'm like, well, I don't need the caffeine anymore, quote unquote. Right. And you know, so I get more specific about it. But uh 
what happens is they, I, I'll have a cup of coffee in the morning and then I'll just drink coffee all day and I'll get to a point where I'm at, you know, six, seven, eight, nine cups of coffee a day and I won't have my ninth cup of coffee one day and I will get the worst caffeine headache in the world. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, uh... And I'll realize that like I should start backing off and so I'll slowly back off down to like one, two cups of coffee a day and then I'll get comfortable in that and I'll start creeping back up to nine cups of coffee a day. <laughs> and it's my cycle. Or if I'm like, if I ever go on vacation, which is almost never at this point, but um, if, I, if I ever have time to go on vacation, I'll, I'll be sure to like a month or two beforehand start backing off my coffee consumption because I can't afford to drink nine cups of coffee on vacation. Right. <laughs> it's, it's too expensive of a habit. You don't pack, yeah, you so, don't pack the AeroPress in with all the circadian on vacation? I try not to. I, re- I try to relax on vacation. I'm like, I'm going to find a coffee shop that does good coffee and someone else is going to make it. Someone else is going to make it. That's awesome. Uh, I will say, I, uh, so this is a thing, just about every barista I've ever met has, they, it's called the caffeine overdose, um, has a caffeine overdose story. And usually it's the person who runs the espresso machine. And what happens is, uh, for me, when it happened, multiple times is there, there was a day where the espresso just hit like it's everything you wanted the espresso to be it was chocolatey it was fruity it was whatever and it, you know it was just the right number of days off roast the the humidity was just right all everything lines up and so i'm doing something that i i need three shots of espresso but you have to make four right so i have, I have an extra shot of espresso i just throw that off to the side and i'll drink that later and uh, at some point, I, so I had a cup of coffee in the morning, and then at some point I realized I'm like 14 shots of espresso deep in about two and a half hours. And I, 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 I'm trying to get better at eating breakfast because that's the other thing is I, I didn't eat breakfast at the time. And so I'm sitting there, and you get you start getting like sweats, you start shaking, like you're, you feel like you're going to die. It's just what's happening because your body's just like it's all caffeine and there's no calories in you, and it's the worst thing imaginable. And it happens to you and you're like, that's never going to happen again. And then probably two months later, it'll happen again. <laughs> you're like, ah. You don't know what happened. Like, I tried so hard. I feel like you're describing my 20s with beer. You're like, <laughs> I'm never going to let that happen to me again. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I think maybe with beer it's harder because you don't have the benefit of memory. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> So see, I think that's that, that's fascinating. Let's uh, let's we're about a half hour, and let's take a let's take a break. I'm gonna refresh my coffee. I'm gonna brew up some solstice, uh, and uh, then we'll, we'll hop up. And I think we'll we'll kick off the the second half hour with you. Basically, um, this is really just a, a, a personal fan service. We're gonna talk about how to brew good coffee at home. Really, I just want a lesson. That's what we're gonna do, and we'll pass it on to our listeners. Uh, so we'll talk about kind of uh, coffee home brewing, and I may share. Uh, some some more tales of my jealousy about how often you get to taste coffee in different ways and how and how difficult it is to like refine your palate when you have to make all the cups yourself with whatever you buy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. This we'll is be the longest intro into a break. Yeah. <laughs> I I realize. Fifteen minutes I, later. Okay, break. I realize no, normally, like uh, when we do the when we do the beer stuff, typically um, typically I have to uh, uh, take a personal break during the break. That's not a thing now. So normally, my intros to the break are super short uh, from a biological need, and I realize I needed that. <laughs> Uh, because apparently I'm just left to my own device is going to do long intros into the break. I'm going to stop it now. Uh, we'll time it and put it in the shots. (laughs) 
right. I almost diluted it, but I was like, no, nah, I want to go for the real deal one more time. <laughs> Which one are you drinking this time? Solstice. Yeah. Which is your light. I, it's your normal light roast. That's like your, that is your every, yeah. all year round. Yeah. That's our light roast one. Yeah. It doesn't get as much love as I think it should, but it's because I think most people looking for a light roast want a single origin coffee. Right. And so I just kind of like, it's a product of its own failings or whatever. I think I made it too acidic just now, but that's okay. I haven't. Hey, what, what, what was the first one that you had? You had the... East Timor. What do you think about that one? I like that one a lot. So the first time I drank... So I got that coffee a couple weeks ago. Um, I liked it a lot. I, I And then, like, the first time I drank it, I was like, oh, I kind of don't get this coffee. And then, um, like... About halfway through the cup, like it gets to it gets to a temperature where I'm like, you know, I don't even know what this flavor is, but this is just really damn good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm super happy to buy. I, I bought another one because I was like, I was when we were gonna we were scheduling. I was like, I, I told you I had some East Timor, but it was kind of getting <laughs> off roast date. And I was like, no, nah, I'll get some fresh. Uh, that'll yeah. be great. Um, yeah, it was, and I can't like. I feel like. I feel kind of out of water doing this podcast because we've done so much beer and I've tasted so much beer and then coffee. It's like, well, I know that I can taste different, I, but I don't have like the language down yet. So I'm early mm-hmm. on in the journey and it's tough, but the, uh, and it's only tough. Like I don't really care to, to, to be a novice, but it's tough because <laughs> my, my, in my other podcast, I feel like I can, you know, I, I'm, I'm much more attuned to the, to the language that the brewers have. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not that different at the end of the day is like, I mean, right. there's, there, there, I mean, like you're talking about specific components in beer, right. the maltiness and the hop and things like that. But right. like, it's basically, it, it's such a similar process where I'm basically making real life comparisons. just what right. it is. What I feel like for me, what I've tried to do, like, I, I know that in beer comparison tasting was always super important. Um, but like with coffee, it's hard to do comparison tasting because I have to like in beer, I just open three beers, right? Uh, in coffee, if I want to do a comparison tasting, I have to brew three different coffees uh, and it's it, it's kind of a challenge. So, yeah. Uh, and that's where I feel like as a taster, I got way better when I would taste multiple beers at one time um, and, and both like tasting like five different styles of beer at the same time and kind of thinking about that and then also tasting like three different beers of the same style by different breweries. Is a right. great way to, to, to do it, but um. I, I I think that also the the thing about beer brewing too is there there's such like standardized I mean quote unquote standardized styles that right. there's sort of a you know what a hefeweizen is supposed to taste like right. the, the clove and the banana and you know what this is supposed you know kind of thing and and there'll be some variation within that but like generally speaking it's like these are the things whereas like coffee it's like an Ethiopian yogurt chef could taste like blueberries or strawberries or it could taste like chocolate. Like it's, you know, just kind of a, it's, you never know what anything's going to taste like. So, uh, so I said when we came back, I'm going to leave that in. Uh, I said when we come back, we're going to talk about like brewing coffee at home. So, um, you talked, I think it was before we started recording about how, when you guys do a new coffee, you'll brew it a bunch of different ways to make sure it kind of works, um, in, in the, in the different ways. Is there ever like a coffee that you release where you you feel the need to encourage people to brew it a certain way? Cause it just performs best that way. Yeah. So I, I would say that most coffees, they have like a way that of brewing it that is going to be better for it than other ways. Um, and, and then there are some coffees where it's just like, you know, like French press won't be that great for it. Like it'll be a good cup of coffee, but the, uh, excuse me, the, the, the things that they, 
the things that we're trying to bring out of that coffee aren't going to come out in a French press. Right. You know, it, it's like you, you won't get like you might understand that there's a berry note here, but you won't get that like big strawberry flavor, right. something, something like that. Um, so, so we have we have a V60, a Hario V60, which is like what is standard in like the competitions for like the National Barista competition sure. and things like that. Uh, we have a Chemex, we have an AeroPress, we have the Molita filters, okay. we have a, a Wave, we have a Clever Dripper. Like we, we, just about any kind of homebrew a French press, any any kind of homebrew coffee right. maker that exists, we probably have one or at least something very similar to it. What I've realized is I, I think that I think the Chemex first of all is one of my favorite ways of making coffee. Okay. If I'm looking to like really bring out a, a, a more delicate coffee. Um, just and with the actual Chemex filters, there's some talk right now about how cloth filters are really good for the Chemex. Right. Um, I, I've not played around with it, so I can't comment on it. But I, I think it's an interesting concept because uh, the the thing that makes the Chemex so good, it's not the shape or anything like that. It's it's the filters themselves because we have these really thick filters that right. absorb lots of oil, and so when it's coming through, you get this really clean cup of coffee. Assuming it's you know a pretty delicate coffee to begin with, uh, and, and I mean cloth, it makes sense that that's going to absorb a lot of oils too. Right. So I, I, conceptually, I'm here for it, but I, I've never tried it. Um, so generally speaking, like that's my go-to method for light, fruitier coffee. For just about everything else, though, I love the AeroPress. Sure, like it's really hard to beat the AeroPress. Um, it, it it has this immersion style and. Uh, that, that, I mean, you can play with so minutely that you can make it almost act like it was a pour-over coffee or you can make it act like it was a, a sort of espresso machine and, like, everything in between. I, yeah. I forget what the question was. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I feel like what, you've, you've done – I asked the question, you know uh, – do different coffees have different brewing styles. I think you crushed that and you also uh, very segue nicely into, like, you know – how you know if you have brewing tips like if you have someone who's kind of in in, in my space who's like okay I'm just starting to get into this what yeah. you know uh, you know how do you brew at home what are the things that you're looking for um, you know for your even like questions like for your AeroPress how how fine is too fine and how coarse is too coarse and I, I feel like I've done some experimentation and I have like a personal taste preference but it doesn't seem to map up with what other people say is good so it's interesting yeah. so so first of all. Uh, doesn't matter what anybody else says. If it tastes good to you, it's good coffee. Like Cheers. I, I, that's that's the end of the conversation. Like they're they're I, I've I've had people who they get so particular, like oh no, you brewed it wrong or you did this, and I'm like, does it taste good? And they're like, well, it tastes okay, but it could taste better. I'm like, I don't think it could, and it tastes good to me, and I'm done. Like right. that's the end of my thing. I if you're just getting into coffee, I can't recommend the AeroPress enough. It's I think it's like thirty bucks now. I think they just. Uh, up the price like a year ago or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 30, 30 bucks is what I paid for it. It's, it's, it's the best investment yeah. ever. So it, it's $30. Uh, the thing will last you forever. It's just like the most durable thing. My, my dad recently got a new one after like 15 years and he only got a new one because there was like some imperfection in the plastic on its chamber that I have never seen before. So it's, like, it's not even like normal. It's like I said, you can, there, there's so much. Like if you ever just want to like, see because there's there's not another machine or like brewing system out there i mean you could argue that the hario v60 has its own national competition because it's what everyone uses right. in the national barista competition but there's not another system out there that has 
a national competition dedicated to just it. And the AeroPress has one because it's so versatile. You can do so much with it. Um, I think that's a really it, fun one too. I learned just recently like the AeroPress competition, everyone has to use the same coffee, which I think is a fascinating yeah. approach to a coffee competition. I think that's awesome because it really it really focuses in on like what can you do with the the, the device itself, which right. you know, and that's like because because basically the national barista competition is like can you brew coffee really really well, but also do you have the best coffee in the world? There's like these right. there's sort of these two sides of that equation, and it's like I know baristas that are amazing, but they wouldn't do well in the competition because they're not you know sourcing this like super small micro lot from El Salvador Finca where they. You know, I, I don't know, whatever you know, the name of the farmer's goat, like that. Like it, it's it, it. They don't have the coffee to compete, and so they can't compete. And, and so, like, I, there, there's a lot of. Uh, I mean, like, the people who win those competitions are really amazing baristas, right? But they also work with amazing roasters, and they work with amazing water, and they get really fine tuned into these processes that are really interesting. But like for most of us, we're not going to notice the minute differences that they're dealing with. So, um. So I love I love the AeroPress. Uh, I think it's an amazing machine. I know people want to use a V60 because it looks really cool. Uh, the, I mean, like I said, the competitions that's what they use, right. and so you kind of want to. You know, it's like if 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 Mark McGuire is using this type of bat, you want to use this type of bat. Like it's just you know, it's, it's that same kind of concept. Yeah, it bat, not it, steroids. It's it's yeah. definitely. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a Sammy. Really it's a that. Sammy Sosa show uh, for future references. It's a Sammy Sosa show. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess the Chicago thing should have tipped me off. Yeah, I am wearing a Cubs hat uh, for the whole. <laughs> um, so uh, the the problem with the V60 is it's such a fiddly little machine that people can get really discouraged by it really quickly. So, okay, so extracting coffee, brewing coffee comes down to three basic things. Uh, there's the time it takes, the time that the water spends interacting with the grounds itself, the temperature of the water, right, and then the surface area of the grounds, which basically is like whether it's a coarse or a fine grinded coffee. There's more surface area in a, in a fine coffee, and all you're playing with there is extraction. So basically, you are uh, coffee is something like nine eighty four ish, eighty to eighty four percent water. Everything else that's in that cup of coffee is things that are extracted from the coffee beans, these volatile aromatic compounds right. that impart flavor. So what you're trying to do is extract enough of those things to make your coffee taste good, uh, but not too much of those things to make your coffee taste bitter or not too few of those things to make your coffee taste sour. Right. So over and under extracted. With the V60, it's if you are not so minutely uh, taking care of all of those components, and focusing on the water that you're using, it can be such a tricky machine to dial in. People do it all the time. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a professional coffee person, and we use it when we're testing stuff. And generally speaking, I'm pretty good at it. There are still times where it's like I screw it up, and I have to go back and redo it because I did something wrong. I, I felt like when I, I got one of those before I got an AeroPress, and I like for the first week, I, I was just frustrated because I couldn't make a good cup of coffee, and then I right. like. I got to where I could make reason, but I feel like I almost like I was trying to do experiment because I wanted to taste like super sour coffee just to understand what it was. And I was mm -hmm. trying, so I was using my AeroPress and I was trying to under extract the coffee with the AeroPress and I, actually, I, I couldn't do it. 
it's really hard. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't. I could over extract it easily. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> not a problem. But I couldn't. I could get really bitter coffee, but I couldn't get so. So I just, I just made a V60 and then cut it off at like 30 seconds, and I was like, oh no, that's sour as shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I always recommend the AeroPress. It's such a low cost of entry. It's so forgiving a system, and you can even like dive deeper into it to do so much more with it. So it, it it's like. There's there's basically two levels to it where there's like there's I'm producing good coffee and I'm producing amazing coffee right. and I know what I'm doing to get there. The V60 there's no in between. Like there's not like yeah that was just okay. It's like this is bad or it's really good. And it's really hard to hit that. Um, I'm also a big fan of the Melita. So mm-hmm. Melita Melita has some amazing products that don't get too much recognition because they're uh, they don't they didn't really innovate the same way that. Uh, Hario V60 did, but they're so easy to use that if you're looking to do a pour over, it's probably the easiest pour over that you're going to do just starting out. They're also really cheap to get. I mean, like I think a single a single cup dripper for a Melita is like 15 bucks or something like that. Right. And I mean, you can get Melita filters anywhere. I mean, Meyer has them, so it's e- it's easy to use and easy entry into it. Um, for me personally, so this is where. So I, I make coffee for a living. Um, so, so this is, this is the, the other side of this coin is what are you making coffee for? So we right. talked about earlier the whole idea of like functional versus aesthetic. But are there six coffee drinkers in your house? Is there one coffee drinker in your house? Right. For me, it's There's, one. So it's easy. Right. So and the same with my dad. Like he's the only coffee drinker. My mom doesn't drink coffee. So an AeroPress is perfect for them because it makes one cup of coffee at a time. You can push it to two if you really want to play with it, but it makes one cup of coffee at a time for one person. That's right. great. If you have to make that for three people, just you know, AeroPress, 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 it's really tedious. I hate that. Right. I, and I am the I'm the laziest coffee person you're ever going to meet. I'm telling you. I like I, I can tell you everything that's happening, but like I am the laziest person. So when I so it's me and my wife are the two coffee drinkers in our house. Um, and we don't have anyone else in our house, but there's two of us. And I, I have a, uh, I have a Technoverm Mocha Master. Okay, which, nice. Which is an amazing machine. I love it to death. I don't know that I would recommend it to anybody because it's like three hundred dollars, and you can do really well with a Bonavita six cup, eight cup brewer, which is like one hundred thirty, hundred fifty. Shoot, I think Beanmore makes a brewer that lets you like set the altitude that you're at, so that way it knows oh. how hot to boil the water to boil the water oh, wow, that's fantastic uh and, and i think that one's even like under 200 bucks so i they're, they're but the thing that i was really looking for is my wife loves coffee she knows when she has good coffee she knows when she has bad coffee and that's about the extent of her like interest in coffee like she she'll taste things with me and she'll be like yeah no i know what you're talking about but like she is such a functional coffee drinker that I was like, I need something that has a button on it and that's it. And right. it looks cool because it has to look nice in my kitchen. Otherwise, I don't want it um, because I'm vain like that. So uh, the, so I Technoverm Mocha Master, it's, it's a beautiful looking machine. It has a button on it. That's it. And it produces great coffee. And I don't have to think about it. And, and so I think that like that's the other half of this coin is what are you brewing coffee for? If it's for your household manual coffee brewing is fun and super interesting but like it doesn't work on mass really if you know if if you want to have like one cup of coffee a day that's like you know like you you drink you make coffee for everybody and then you make one cup of coffee a day for yourself 
that you're okay being bad or like potentially being amazing, a V60 is really fun to play with. But if it's the only way that you're drinking coffee and you are also a functional coffee drinker, I don't recommend it. So <clears throat> one of the, I was, I was going to ask you in the context of this conversation, like if you just <clears throat> were going to have one cup of coffee and you wanted like an amazing cup of coffee, how would you make it for yourself? But I think um, having uh, talked about your coffee drinking and your coffee preferences, I, I'm going to switch it up a bit and I say if someone was going to make you a cup of coffee uh, and it was just you're going to get one cup of coffee, what are you having that person make for you? <laughs> uh, do I get to pick who it is, or is it just a random person? <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like you get to. I feel like you get to pick. This is like your your like. This is the coffee I want the most. You get to pick who makes it. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So if it's, I'm gonna answer this two ways. Uh, so my, my dad is the one who's gonna make it. Okay. He is an amazing coffee maker. I will like. He he's never made a bad cup of coffee for me, so he's my go-to. Um, he also has a great approach to it, which I love. But um. It's gonna be him. If it's my coffee, uh, it's gonna be the Papua New Guinea that we just dropped. Okay, like nice. that coffee, I love it. If it's, I get to pick any coffee in the world that, I mean, I know either came from a good roaster or I roasted. It's gonna be a Yemeni coffee okay. because there's no better coffee in the world than Yemeni coffee. It you is stupid expensive because Yemen is falling apart, but <laughs> it is so good. Like I. I I crave Yemeni coffee. It's amazing. <laughs> Do you guys get to roast it often? Not really. Um, there are so, like I said, Yemen's kind of falling apart uh, for a number of different things. Um, there's also an issue of its shipping lane is in the uh, same lane as like Somalia, so you're dealing with Somali pirates. Oh right. So um, the cost of Yemeni coffee, if you can find it, is ridiculous like it's it's almost more expensive than like jamaica blue mountain coffee wow which has no business being as expensive as it is but um it's marketing man it's good stuff it's yeah it is (laughs) so it's it's ridiculously expensive like i couldn't buy yemeni coffee and then sell it at a price point that everyone would be like yeah this makes sense to me Um, it would be thirty dollars for the 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 five the five ounce bag right yeah it'd be something like that actually Um, um yeah so uh, we, we every once in a while, one of our like smaller importers will bring it in that we could buy like five pounds of it, and we'll just like we'll buy it and Kelsey and I will roast it for ourselves, um, and it's always amazing. But <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is the beautiful benefit of being of being the roaster. Right? Telling you, man. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good stuff. Okay, so uh, so your dad is going to make you some Papua New Guinea coffee that you just dropped. How is he making it? So uh, he's an AeroPress person. Um, he has a. Uh, <laughs> So he has a Malconig E40. Is that like a is that like a like a mermaid? Like half of him is a human like yeah, a yeah, centaur yeah. and half yeah, yeah. is his, an arrow. You press? just press his head down. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so he has a Malconig E40 EK43, I think. Oh, that's that's is. that's like the commercial um, deal, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a commercial grade grinder. Um he has an older one. Uh, so what happened was they made this grinder forever. It kind of fell off the radar and then it came back. So he has an older one that um, came from a coffee shop that was broken. Uh, so he bought it for 50 bucks and oh, wow. fixed it for basically nothing. Um, I am eternally jealous of this thing. They recently moved houses and my mom was like, I don't think we have a place for this. I was like, I have a place uh, yeah, for it. I have several. <laughs> I have any number of places for it. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, he, he has this amazing grinder. Uh, he his and, and this is his process and this is why this is why I love his process because he's, he is, he wants amazing coffee, but he doesn't want to have to work hard for it. So 
He has this amazing grinder. He's dialed in the grind size to be roughly where it's supposed to be. And then he hasn't touched the grinder like adjuster in probably four years. Wow, like, that's awesome. Doesn't, doesn't touch it, doesn't adjust it anymore because we have other things that we can affect and especially with the AeroPress. So, uh, so he goes over to, he has a water cooler that has hot water coming out of it. Uh, he puts hot water in his variable temp <laughs> kettle. Okay. Puts it on his the stand and gets it up to 195. Puts the coffee in the AeroPress pours uh, half of the water in, stirs it, the rest of the water, cap on, flips it, presses it. And then what he does is he adjusts his water temperature up or down five degrees, depending on if he feels like it's under or over extracted. Okay, wow. So if he wants to extract more, he increases the heat. If he wants to extract less, he decreases the heat. If that doesn't work, then he starts playing around with time. But generally speaking, he's about a minute from start to finish, wow. to like yeah. pouring water into his kettle to drinking a cup of coffee. And it's the most impressive thing when I came home and he had developed the system that I was like, this is everything. <laughs> so what, what's the grind look like on his Malkernic? What is it? I, the Malkernic can go super fine, but does he have it more coarse or is it? He's got a, yeah, it's a pretty medium grind. It's probably a little bit finer than like kosher salt. No, probably a lot finer than kosher salt, I yeah. guess I'm thinking about it, but um, it would be pretty standard, like auto drip, maybe okay. just a touch finer than that. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's but awesome. he, the, the thing about him is, I mean, so grinders, grinders are just like the trickiest thing in the world to play with because, uh, there, there are some grinders that produce lots of fines in the coffee, which just means that like a lot of the coffee was ground too small and some mm -hmm. are ground too big or ground, you know, the size we want it to be. And the Malcolm GK 43 is like, it's such a precise thing that pretty much all of the coffee that comes out of his grinder is exactly the right grind size, which means that you can, you can, I, I think you can generally speaking, have a coarser coffee with it because right. it's also consistent. But most of the time, like I think on ours, we use a fine grind for the AeroPress. So nice. Like in the shop. Yeah. Yeah. In the shop. Yeah. Do you guys have the, the, the do you guys have the Mal Koenig there or what are you guys using in the shop? No, we have a, Oh, it's like a bun 743 or something like that. It's like the classic if you're in a grocery store okay, and nice. you, you want to grind a coffee. It's just it's one of those. They were I mean they've been being made for uh I mean forever and uh they're I mean they're super cheap to find online, they're super consistent. Big fan. Yeah, that's awesome. So I feel like that's uh that's such a good story. And like I, I think what's interesting like is that your like like it's probably awesome to be a coffee roaster who has like uh, a parent who's that into coffee. I imagine many coffee roasters are like trying to get their parents in to drink the coffee. Like, but you're, I feel like you have this opposite story where, you know, like, is your dad a good critic of your coffee? Uh, yeah, he is. Um, I mean, he, he gets really specific about the coffees that he likes, uh, almost arbitrarily. Um, but like he, uh, he, he, he doesn't like Timor coffees or generally Indonesian style coffees, no matter how many Indonesian style coffees I'll send him and be like, you got to try this. And he'll be like, yeah, that's good. He will always come back to I just don't really like Indonesian coffees. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't like it? Like, you just told me you like, like the last four I sent you are good. And you said you liked them. You're still adamantly against them. Do you, do you like ever, do you ever like fool with them and like mislabel them? No. <laughs> I think he would kill me if I did that. Um, <laughs> We do. Uh, we had a in Ethiopia a while back that he loved, and we were in the last like I don't know, probably ten pounds of it. 
and he texted me and he's like, Hey, how much of this Ethiopia do you have left? And I was like, yeah, I got like maybe 10 pounds. And he's like, if you don't sell it, I'll buy the rest of it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> this is also very good to have as a, as a small business. I'm sure yeah, I have a buyer for everything that won't sell. It's fantastic. Uh, so I talked with you a little bit. We talked a little bit coming off the break and, and then like one, I'm like new into coffee and we do, we do this beer podcast and I feel really comfortable tasting beer. Uh, at this point I did it for a long time, but the coffee, like, I feel like I can taste, Hey, this is berry. Hey, this is acidic. Hey, this is bitter, but like, like more fine things. Like I'm never getting strawberry, even if I brewed a good cup, maybe I'm just not brewing a good cup. I don't know. Um, <laughs> can, can you talk about like how like your experience in coffee has helped you to taste and then maybe some advice for people who don't have so much uh of a variety of coffee or even people to taste with like how would you kind of refine your palate yeah so the trick to taste is it's not just tasting when you're drinking coffee or or beer it's tasting everything very intentionally okay uh i think generally speaking we we eat kind of mindlessly like we, we know something is too salty or too spicy or whatever and we also know when it tastes good and everything's right but that's kind of the extent of the thought. It, it's like, oh yeah, this tastes really good. It's amazing. But you're not generally sitting there analyzing. Like, it's like why is it amazing? Like it's got right. this like really nice, you know, whatever up front, and then like this nice finish, you know, sort of thing. So, um, if if you're looking again into tasting, the first thing that you really need to do is start getting intentional about tasting everything. Okay. Um, nice. And the, the the second thing that we always tell people is like. Uh, you, you taste in three parts. Uh, so there's there's the smell, which is going to prepare you for what you think this is going to taste like. There's the initial sip, which gives you an idea of what something is going to taste like. And then there's the swallow, which gives you a finish. And all of those things will tell you something about what you're eating. Uh, and I mean, even within that, like you try something the first time and it'll be like, oh, that's not what I thought that was going to taste like at all. And you might not even like it the first right. time, but now that you have an idea and now that you know what you're kind of expecting, the second time you try it, it's going to be better because I know, I know what I'm expecting sort right. of thing. Um, so paying attention to those like three things, like what it smells like, what the first thought is and what the like final like aftertaste is and how that changes is really important. And then also how the acidity hits your mouth. So. Uh, there's some coffees like, and it'll remind you of like lemons. It kind of hits like the back of your, uh, of your teeth and, you know, it makes you want to like kind of pucker do that like jaw clench sort of feel. And that's going to remind you of like lemons or right. like a really sour orange or things like that. But if it hits the middle of your tongue, it's going to remind you of something else entirely. It might taste, remind you of like vinegar or something like that, because while those are both really acidic and really acidy, they hit your tongue in different spots. Right. And even within that, for everybody, it's different. Um, there's there's this thing about cupping where it's kind of done. It's done in a vacuum for consistency's sake. Right. So if you if you ever go to like a real real cupping, um, and and by that I mean usually not what roasters are putting on. Uh, like if you go to an importer and you're doing a cupping with them, what they'll have is uh, three like the exact same coffee. They'll have three cups of it, so you can try it three different times and know that like this is consistently what it tastes like, or right. that is an imperfection and it tastes like these two or whatever. Um, everyone is silent. There's no music. You're walking around this table and you're just tasting coffee. You're not making eye contact. You're not making facial expressions. You're not doing anything but tasting coffee. No it's high fives? It, no, no high fives. Nope. It's the worst thing in the world. I hate it. <laughs> that does sound really bad. I mean, 
it's, it's... But, but the point of it is you're trying not to influence other people. So then when you come right. back together, it's like, this is what I tasted. And someone was like, that's what I tasted too. And you know that like there's a consistency within that because, you know, two people got the same thing without talking to each other. I get that. I hate it, but I get it. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, so what they're doing in that cupping is they're thinking through all of these things and they're like trying to remind themselves like this is what, uh, you know, the, the last time I had a Jolly Rancher, that's what it tasted like. Or the last time I ate you know, whatever, that's what it tasted like. Last time I had a dark chocolate bar versus a milk chocolate bar versus cocoa versus whatever, uh, a Tootsie Roll. Um, and you're, you're trying to remember those things. And for people who aren't uh, like Q graders who haven't trained their palates to be in line with all of these other people, everyone's palates are going to be affected differently. Right. Uh, so I'm, I, I generally, I like acid. I, I like when, when we have like Rwandan coffees, Rwanda is like known for it's like heavy hitting acid. Right. I love it. One of my favorite things on the planet. Like I, I, I would love to have Rwanda all the time. Kelsey hates it. She's sitting, she just walked in. Um, she, 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 she's, she's what, but the thing is she's much more sensitive to that acid than I am. Right. So when an acid is hitting right for me, like at, at like it's absolute peak, like this is peak acid, whatever for Kelsey, she's going to taste it and be like, that is like sucking on a lemon. It's too sour. It's yeah. not pleasant. So when we're trying coffees, like we're basically, we're going back and forth with each other. We're saying like, okay, this is kind of what I'm tasting or it reminds me of this, but it's not quite that. Or it's, it's like an orange, but it's not quite an orange. It's like, there's also like a Christmas to it or you know, whatever. A tangerine, it's a tangerine. That's what we're getting, you know, kind of thing. So we, we having someone to play off of, I think is really important when it comes to tasting things. Right. Cause no one's really good at tasting in a vacuum. Like no one's really good at just like, okay, what am I getting in this? And especially if you're not spending a lot of time thinking about the things that you're eating outside of coffee. Um, so you guys will do. Some people are just better at remembering like right. what they ate. We're like, oh, right. this is what cherries taste like. We're like, no, that's, that's not a choice. Yeah. So any different types of cherries. Like, you know, if you have like, you know, red cherries when they're at the peak of uh, their, their freshness versus like white cherries, which are at the peak of their freshness, like they taste differently. And if you really pay attention, then you can like, you, you know that if you eat cherries consistently, you, you'll know that sort of thing. But like, you know, it's also exhausting to be like constantly overanalyzing your food. So like, I get why people don't do it. Like it's <laughs> Right. So when you guys do like, because uh, before there was quarantine and, and COVID and all this jazz, you guys would do tastings uh, in the in, in the shop. When you guys do that, like, how is your approach to like, do you do uh, a cupping but differently, or do you, are you making coffee differently for your the folks that come in? So we don't do cuppings; we do tastings. And the the the, the difference is going to be, and if someone says a cupping, then you should expect that there's going to be a, a small ceramic bowl that has coffee in it. They're going to pour hot water over it. After four minutes, they're going to break the crust of that coffee, scoop out the fines, and then you're going to take a spoon, get a little bit of it, and slurp as loud as you possibly can because the loudest slurper wins. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I felt like it was required. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, for us, what we're doing is tastings, which is the way that we taste coffee in our day to day. We we hardly ever actually cup coffee. Um, we we brew coffee every way that we can. So we sure. brew it in a V60. We brew it with an AeroPress. We brew it with a Chemex. We do all these things because when you take it home, that's how you're going to drink it. Right. Um, you're not you're not gonna cup it and be like, oh yeah, I get this like really 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 subtle nuance that I put on the on the note, but it doesn't come through if you brew it. 
you know, it's, it's, so, so we're like, how are the people that are drinking our coffee going to taste it? Which also means that the other thing that we do is we use, uh, we use city water, which is awful. And you know, right. city water sucks, but yeah, very, um, very hard. it's, it's awful, but we use it because we know a lot of people who are drinking our coffee are using city water. Right. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and be like, oh yeah, when you use third wave water and like add it to the distilled or RO water, <laughs> it tastes like this and it tastes amazing. But when you use it on city water, it tastes like mud. You know, I, that's I want it to taste good the way that people are going to be drinking it. And oh, so that's, that's awesome. my really intense focus on how, how we taste coffee and how we're, we're roasting it too. That's awesome. So uh, typically towards the end of the show, we do a thing on, on Plato's Gravity uh, where Jason asks a question that has nothing to do with be- – I mean coffee. Uh, so we, we call this segment Jason's off-the-wall question. Um, I did not warn you about this, but he- here we go. No. <laughs> Oh, well, so I, I, I have a, uh, I have an on the wall question. Uh, <laughs> this, this is question actually rules. related to related to coffee before we do an off the wall question. Oh, um, we'll, we'll mix it up. This is a new re- format. It's, it's related a little bit to, I'm having a really hard time smelling anything today, which is really unfortunate. It's a sign um, of COVID too. <laughs> you should, uh, you should get that check, Jason. Uh, yeah, well, we'll, uh, we'll keep you guys updated. Check the shouts. <laughs> <laughs> Does Jason have uh, but, um, uh, so over the, over the course of this conversation, I was remembering, um, a couple years ago, I took a trip to the UK and I was staying in various, uh, bed, uh, not bed and breakfast, uh, Airbnbs, air bed and breakfasts, air bed and breakfast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And at one point, uh, I was staying um, in a room with these two dudes, um, and one of the guys was from Brazil, and he grew up, uh, one of the things we kind of bonded over was that we both grew up in the middle of nowhere, um, poor, which is, is weird because poor in America relative to poor in Brazil, much different situation. But one of the things he, he talked, somehow this came up in the conversation, which is weird because I didn't really talk about coffee that much while I was in the UK, because at the time I was addicted to drip coffee, right? Mm. I would just uh, drink too much of it at work and then I needed it to survive and you cannot find drip coffee in Europe anywhere. You can find it at Starbucks, but because no one comes in and buys it except for stupid Americans, like it's burnt to a crisp. Oh yeah, in the like, U.S., in the U.S., Starbucks throws their coffee out every forty-five minutes. I don't think that they've ever. I think I was drinking the original batch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I'm talking to this guy from Brazil. I wish I, I think his name was Fabian, but that might be wrong. Um, and he was having this memory of like his mom when he was a kid going out to coffee trees. Um, and like picking green beans off of the trees and then bringing them back and roasting them in an oven uh, on a uh, like a sheet pan on a uh, on like a cookie sheet and of course that's not a very good consistent way to roast it uh, but as he was telling me this story he had a very visceral reaction to talking about the way that that smelled when the coffee was being roasted in the oven and so th- th- there are two things here. One, I don't know what green coffee beans smell like. 
And I'm curious, at what point does it really start to smell? What to, at, what, at what point does it turn into what we would consider a coffee smell? Because I think we all have that experience with coffee, right? Yeah. Like those smells. There's something in it, like way before I drank coffee, that smell. I was hooked. Yeah. Um, so, so first of all, so coffee's grown in this, it, it's a cherry is what it's called. So it's a little red fruit. And then inside it are the beans is the okay. of that cherry. Basically there's, there's two beans unless it's wrong. And then it's a pea berry, but um, <laughs> the, uh, so, so my, I actually have family from Sierra Leone and they, they, they would do this is they, they, they'd go out, they'd pick the cherries they'd get the beans out they'd rinse them off, uh, dry them. And then they would literally they had this giant pan and they would just over a fire would just, you know, um, sift it and roast the coffee beans. But, uh, so green coffee beans, depending on where it's from and how it was processed. So there's, there's wet process and natural process. Wet just means it was put in, uh, these vats of water for like 18 to 48 hours. Uh, natural process means it was put out in the sun, but shriveled up like with the actual cherries, let it shriveled right. up and then the beans were taken out. Um, if it's a natural process coffee, it's usually going to smell pretty fruity. Actually. Uh, we, we had an Ethiopia recently, the, uh, was it a year good chef? Yeah, it was a year good chef. Um, it smelled like blueberry pop tarts, like the, the cherries did or the, the green coffee did. Um, like before it was ever roasted, it just blueberry pop tarts was all you smelled. Some coffees, I mean, it just tastes like, or it smells like grassy. Right. So, I mean, it, it really just depends on how it's processed and where it's from. Um, as far as what it smells like when it's roasting, uh, I, I don't know. I think Kelsey and I are kind of biased against this because for us, it smells like burnt toast um, or like fire. Like it just, it doesn't smell great while it's roasting, but people come in all the time. They're like, oh, it smells great in here. And I'm like, I don't know what you're smelling. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what we're trained to say. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> like, that's the, that's, the, that's the polite thing to say when you come into a business that has an aromatic product, right? <laughs> I'm glad people are polite then. Um, as far as when it kind of becomes that coffee smell, it's usually pretty much as soon as it's out of the roaster. Because what's causing that bad smell that I was just talking about is the chaff that's left on the roaster or the bean. Okay. So as, as it tumbles, as it heats up, as the bean expands and more of that chaff comes off, it gets caught in the fire and burns up. literally burns. So that's why it smells like something's on fire. Um, and then makes and then, sense. And then when you separate it, the, the drop the beans out of the roaster and, you know, suddenly there's a bunch of airflow and all of that, you know, the smoke that's kind of been stuck in the roaster because of the beans gets pulled out. You, you know, the beans themselves start smelling like coffee. Uh, it'll, it'll also be about a day after that, that it really like, I mean, you think coffee when you smell it, but yeah. That sounds like a, uh, that sounds like a glorious moment when that gets it's, opened up. There, there, I mean, when we're trying new coffees in particular, we'll like, we, we have buckets that we put them in and we'll, uh, Kelsey does most of our bagging. And so I'll be like roasting and she'll like open something and it just, I mean, like just the smell is like plumes out of it and she'll be like you gotta smell this and like you know, <laughs> which there are there aren't a lot of circumstances where someone <laughs> says that and i'm interested in partaking so this is this is one of those instances where i'm like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right <laughs> so uh jason now, now that was on the wall do you have the off off the wall i i do it's still a little bit on the wall 
Okay. So it's it's it's, it's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's tangentially related this is to a the good segment. segment. It's what I'm like. <laughs> it, it usually, very... if you if it usually goes much different than this, so maybe we should switch it up. If you think this is good, we should maybe switch it up. There's a there's a there's a a, a, a very famous um, novelty style of coffee that I have not tried. I don't know anyone who has tried, and it is the monkey shit coffee. <laughs> Are we? We're all familiar with this, or no? It grows high. It grows high, so only monkeys. I thought this was tea. What's it? No, there's the. There's a coffee the, that's the, like the, this as well. The little rodents that poop out the coffee beans. The... Civet, yeah, civet's coffee. Yeah. Oh. So they eat the they eat the berries. They poop out the beans. You roast the beans. You make coffee, right? I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the process. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. What else? Uh, would you be willing to consume out of a out of a? Um, okay. You've gone so many directions. <laughs> oh, I think that's sufficiently off the wall, Jason. That no, that's really off the wall. Um, bearing in mind, like we do as a as a society, we all eat eggs, and like those yeah. are coming out of weird places. You're just. I this is okay. So this is the thing. Is I'm not, I'm not a crazy picky eater. I'll try anything once. I, I lived in China for like three months. I mean, I tried a lot of weird stuff. I. Huh. <laughs> this is. I think this is I'm trying, correct. Of, I'm trying to think of things that are like going to survive the journey, <laughs> and then at the end, I can do something additionally to them. To like. To like. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like you've gotten it correct. You've done. <laughs> You've answered the question correctly. <laughs> I guess. I guess. I guess. Thinking about it, like the uh, what you might do is um, like a like a sausage application where it's not coming. It's technically coming out of the animal behind because it's you know their no, intestine. My my first thought was honestly like intestine. Like I've eaten intestine before, and that's right. like. It's, it's, it's in the region. It's, it's all yeah. part of the system. Um, yeah. Have you tried the civet coffee? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tried oh. it one time. Um, it's okay. It's, uh, okay. It's, a, it's a really, I mean, it's like super earthy, little chocolatey. Like it's not, I mean, depending on when it, when it's been harvested and who roasts it. But like it's, I don't know, it's not, it's, so there, there are a few issues with it like morally just in terms of, and, and, you know, it's people, people keep these things in cages and then they like force feed them and like all these things like that, oh. which, which is unfortunate. And like, you know, a reality of the world we live in when something gets monetized. Uh, but, um, so, so just in that sense, like finding it that's been produced quote unquote ethically is really difficult. And when you do, it's really, really expensive. And when you try it, it's just like, that was something I tried as the extent of it. It's, like, <laughs> it's far from worth it. Like, I, <laughs> You're like, yeah, that's, you're like, this is a thing, but not a thing I need to do again, sort of. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, this is a story someday, and that's it. <laughs> uh, so we, we've taken a, a, a ton of your time. I have one more question I want to get to, uh, and thank you for, for, the, for the time. Uh, yeah, this has course. been awesome and fun. Um, 
I, I want to kind of give you a chance to talk about kind of the being a small roaster in a in a local community of small roasters, like the scene ha- in Indianapolis uh, has done really well. So, how how much do you get a chance to kind of like work with and communicate with the people around you? Um, and then as a as a follow up, I, li- I like doing two questions at one time. It's really bad form, but it's what I do. Uh, <laughs> if you're gonna drink someone else's coffee in Indianapolis, who whose coffee you're drinking? Uh, probably Blue Mind. I okay. think is uh, the other roaster I'd go with. I, I love what they do. I think they, they produce really good coffee. They have really great sourcing. They're, they're really great people. I, I, I think blue, blue mind just hands down. If I wasn't roasting coffee, that's who I would be buying coffee from Sweet. regularly. Um, as far as what it's like being a roaster in our community. I mean, I think, uh, so I kind of answering it two ways, I guess there's, there's like the community that we live in, and like the the, our, the people in our neighborhood, right. um, it's like we we are located in a really great neighborhood. We're uh, on Forty Sixth Street near Keystone. We used to say we were in Meridian Kessler, and then someone got mad at us because we're like technically a mile from Meridian Kessler. Apparently, uh, I don't know. Uh, so I don't know. Where they we brought out their like protractor and ruler and like you know taped it yeah. off. Yeah, they 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 told us that they were like you're it, like Meridian Kessler ends at the Monon, and you guys are a mile from the Monon. I'm like we're not a mile from the Monon. I got on Google Maps. I'm like oh we're 0.8 miles from the Monon. We are pretty far. That's right. <laughs> Point it's yeah, uh, it's, it's you round up on these things, okay? Right. Yeah. 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 So um, so yeah, I. We we live in a really great community. I mean, there are people who they, they come over, they walk over to our stuff. There's, uh, and we have like so many regulars that like when we shut down, it was like they they would come to us and be like, hey, like are, are you doing this? Are you doing that? We're like really sorry, like we want to help you, but like we you know, just with everything that's happening, we we got to draw the lines. And now like the windows open, we're getting a bunch of those people coming back through, right. and they're like, oh, so good to be back. Like can't wait till you're doing this that. Um, and then, I mean, we're we're also doing we're in a position now after four years where we're, we're giving back a lot more money. Like we, we at the beginning, we would we'd sponsor people and we would do uh, like anytime someone was like, oh, like we're trying to do an auction to support this cause. Like, can we get a bag of coffee? Or we right. worked with the Indiana School for the Deaf, and like it's it's been really interesting just to see people who come forward and they're like, this is something I'm really passionate about, and it's like a problem in our community, and like how can you help us? And us trying to find a way to help them. Um, and you know, it's just, it's, it's a really exciting thing as far as like the coffee community, like, you know, more, more right. coffee people, it's such an inviting community. Um, if, if you're looking to open a cafe in Indy, like you can literally walk into just about any cafe and like find like, a barista manager or something like that. And they just talk about their experience, like what advice they have, things like that. And they are really forthcoming with like, you know, this was a challenge that we had, this is what we thought, this is what we learned, like those sorts of things. Like everyone genuinely wants everyone to succeed. Right. Because the more good coffee we have, the better we all do. Um, and I mean, the more opportunities for us to grow our, our influence and things like that. So it's, it's genuinely a pretty welcoming community. Um, there's always that kind of like barb where it's like, I am, I am in competition with these people. Like right. I, you know, but what everyone is genuinely trying to, everyone's genuinely trying to reach that equilibrium of like, my success doesn't mean your failure. Right. Like, and I think in craft beer, it's similar. Like the, the, the people who get it, try to grow the pie, not their slice yeah. of it. And you, you know, I think specialty coffee and craft beer are very similar in that like, um, you, specialty coffee isn't a huge market share of the coffee, right? Mm-hmm. So if yeah. you can get more people to drink specialty coffee, then you can, you know, you can all win, right? 
Yeah. Well, and I mean, like we, 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 we talked to people who we, we had one, uh, so prep rock over on 52nd right. street. We, we do like their espresso and we, we sell a lot of coffee to them and they came to us really early on and we talked to them, we did a lot of stuff and then they like went off and started their cafe. And when they started, they came back and they were like, we want to buy this coffee from you. But they were telling us that they were going to be a, a multi-roaster cafe, which just means they buy coffee from right. lots of different people. And when they were telling us that, like they were really sheepish at first, they were like, ah, "I'm really, I'm really sorry. I know we met early on, but like we decided we're gonna, we're gonna be a multi-roaster." And like, that's what I think everyone should do. Right. Like, I, I can't understand if I wasn't roasting coffee and I was opening a cafe. Well, how would I buy one coffee from one person? Like, that right. makes no sense to me. I'd buy coffee from everyone. Like, uh, uh, Blue Mind and Limelight and Keel and B and all, you know, all these people are producing really good coffee why would I want to limit myself to just what this person is doing? Like, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense to me to, to do it that way. And I think just about every other roaster in the city thinks that too, that like, if you're going to open a cafe, be multi-roaster, be, you know, sh- show off what India has to offer. Right. You know? Yeah. And then, you know, people will find you. And I think, you know, cause you guys in, in different times you have, you know, you're serving the coffee out the door and, and things like that. So, uh, but if you are an indie, you should definitely, you guys do have the new, uh, pickup window. So you can order, you can order ahead, uh, and grab some, some whole beans or some cold brew. Um, apparently you can buy a really fancy nitrogen machine that works with the cold brew bags. <laughs> Not from us. <laughs> Not the nitrogen, but you can get the cold brew bags. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's, it's a, it, I, I picked up the coffee that we drank today, uh, this week at that window and it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty, it was a pretty sweet experience. Uh, you guys tell me to call ahead, but you guys came to the window before I could get the phone dialed. So appreciate that. <laughs> uh, we, uh, we're actually, we, I, I, I missed the call about 20% of the time. So like, even though we're like, oh yeah, they'll call us. We're still constantly like, was that a car? Was that a car? <laughs> yeah. You guys got to get one of those like little gas station dealies where you like have a rope on the, on the ground, so <laughs> drive over it, you know? <laughs> Uh, and then, and then if you come to the window with like a belt clip of quarters, I would really be a fan of that. <laughs> hey, there's a, there's a coin shortage in the U S Aaron. I'm so sorry. I didn't know about this. Uh, well, I, I want to thank you again, uh, for, for taking, taking the time. I've really enjoyed drinking, uh, your coffee as I've just gotten into specialty coffee. So thanks for all the, the work you do. I look forward to a time when we can, uh, when the world gets back to normal, I can come in and, uh, and drink a cup, uh, of v60 when when you made it and not me because i'm not quite as good at it uh, uh but yeah if you're if you're in the Indianapolis area uh well you guys you guys have a really awesome delivery program right now you're doing five dollar flat shipping which is yeah we're doing five dollar flat rate shipping um to the u.s we're right. not international unfortunately but yeah, I think we actually have a reasonable amount of people listening in, in, in the UK for some reason. So sorry, you guys, uh, but everyone else. Uh, you have a lot of good coffee in the UK. You don't need yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. Just, but please start, just drip. I need more. <laughs> yeah, I, I just need the volume sometimes, please, dear God. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I think it's another thing. If you like supporting businesses that support other people, I think Adam just just started to, to barely mention it. But you guys have a couple different products where you're you're sharing profits. I know uh, you're doing awesome things with East Timor. You had a pride you had a pride package recently. Yeah, so so we actually just ran out of our East Timor. So we're we. So I just got I barely got that. I barely got um, some, barely barely got in there on it. Um, we are in the process of working on another coffee though that we uh, will have year round and we'll be able we'll, we'll be donating. Uh, uh, money from that, uh, from those sales. So I mean, we're 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 in a position now where we can do more. And so we're doing 
more. We're trying to do what we can. So if you stay at Circadian Coffee, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We'll keep you posted on that when it goes live. Um, it'll be fun. We we love putting out new coffees, and that's great. We're also we just put out a hilarious Lionel Richie Instagram post. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> Kelsey and I were really happy. <laughs> I will. I'll have to. So uh, we'll link uh, to your Instagram, of course, uh, in in the show. It's, you guys uh, are Circadian Coffee on Instagram. You guys have the same handle on Twitter and stuff. If, yep. Check the show. We'll have we'll have all the links to the to the social media, including the the Facebook one, etc. Uh, but yeah, drop by there, get some of the get some of the good coffee, and uh, yeah, we hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks uh, for coming on the show, Adam. This has been awesome. I'm out of practice. My outro skills are about as awful as my into the break skills. Uh, so I'm just gonna I, I'm just gonna end the pain real quick and say uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, if you want to email us at uh, you can do that at, at uh, podcast at Plato's You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Plato's Gravity. Have a wonderful, have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening. In the meantime, uh, brew some coffee. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I have to change up the outro. I have some fun. All right, thanks, guys. <laughs>